Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the City Council's uh, third budget work session. At this time, we will have uh, the Chamber Emergency Evacuation Announcement followed by the roll call. Upon activation of the emergency alarm signal, all persons should immediately exit the building. Please use the exits to the left or right of the front of the council chamber or the east or west stairwell outside the rear doors of the chamber. Do not use elevators or escalators. After exiting the building, proceed to the assembly area located in the parking lot bordered by Clay 8th and 9th Streets. Citizens and employees should assist visually and hearing impaired visitors with exiting the building. And Madam President, you do have a quorum of members present. All members are present with the exception of Councillor Addison, Councillor, Councilwoman Trammell, and Councillor Jones. You have a quorum. Thank you, Mr. Clark. Ms. Davis, you would kick us off here. Good evening. I am Joyce Davis, Interim Council Chief of Staff. And for today, um, Council staff will provide a summary level review to you of the Mayor's Fiscal 23 budget. Following this presentation, we will have a review of the debt capacity and affordability briefing by Davenport and Company. Uh, at the end of Jerry's presentation, we will um, provide you with additional information about the budget amendment process. Um, but just to give you highlights, today, Mr. Carcitti and Sampson Anderson will review the operating budget and as a part of it, will provide you with highlights of the items that have been included in the budget, those budget priorities that you made. And what they've located in the budget, it will be included as a part of this presentation. However, there are some items that have not been confirmed and the remainder of those requests uh, will be located and will be shared with you over the next week. Uh, we anticipate that as a part of the budget amendment process that you will submit those items that you do not see. And we will be working with administration um, for those budget amendments, and we would tell you more about that process later. Thank you, Mr. Carcitti. We'll turn it over to Mr. Carcitti and Mr. Anderson. Thank you, Joyce. Good afternoon, members of the City Council and City Council staff, and members of the Mayor's Office in the Budget and Finance teams. My name is Jerry Carcitti. I'm happy to make a summary level review to you today of the Mayor's Fiscal 23 budget. Uh, this is just the operating budget only. Uh, the capital budget will be presented separately in a couple of weeks. You might recall uh, Bill Eckelberger made a similar presentation for you last year for last year's budget. Uh, this will be um, a little bit different, a little shorter. Uh, we're looking to build on the foundation that was made last year uh, to summarize what already is uh, a very informative, detailed document, the fiscal 23 budget. And we're also looking to supplement it and provide an opportunity for your questions. Um, I do want to make a couple of notes that the presentation this year is being made two weeks earlier than last year. Uh, also that I've only been reviewing the Richmond financials, financials since the end of January in this budget, of course, for only a couple of weeks. So we appreciate your patience with uh, if we're not able to answer all of your questions today. Um, we're certainly going to take note of all of them, all of the questions and requests, and we'll research them. And as Joyce said, we'll get back to you uh, as soon as we can the next week or so. 
before moving into the slides, I just want to emphasize a few of the other changes in this year's presentation. One is that in addition to fiscal years 20 through 23 that are in the mayor's budget, we've added fiscal year 19 actuals to enhance the analysis a bit, uh, mainly to give a longer perspective of trends in history in general, and also specifically to compare fiscal 23 uh, proposed to the last normal so-called fiscal year, uh, which was fiscal year 19 uh, that occurred prior to, to COVID-19 uh, and its impacts on the budget. Uh, second, we've highlighted, as Joyce mentioned, a number of places where the mayor's proposed budget provides funding for council member priorities that were submitted to the mayor's office in the fall. It's not an exhaustive uh, presentation uh, in, that you'll see there, but uh, we are working with the budget. We'll be working with the budget office to identify all and identify all that have been funded and how best to work those through the budget amendment process. Um, so finally, before we go through the slides today, I'd like to point out the rest of the team members who contributed today's presentation. Samson Anderson, who's sitting behind me, Myrtle Brown and Deborah Shaw up on the right side, and Joyce Davis. Uh, I will point out some highlights from each of the slides, and if you have questions, feel free to ask them after each slide. And Mr. Petrie, the yes. one thing that I forgot to add is, um, the pay plan and compensation slides were removed from his presentation. They will be reviewed by Mr. Saunders on the 28th. And so he will review what you will see now. Thank you. So first uh, slide you have there is a uh, overall city revenue with general fund operating budget revenue growth over the last five years from fiscal 19 actual to fiscal 23 proposed. Uh, you can clearly see the impacts of uh, COVID-19 uh, as it flows from fiscal 21 to 22. The fiscal 21 budget, as you might recall, was actually proposed to be higher than that and uh, had to be adjusted at a late date. Uh, but that was certainly reflected in the fiscal 22 adopted uh, budget as well as uh, and you can see the, the increase uh, to get back to a more of a historical level of percentage growth uh, in fiscal 23. Uh, the general fund revenue projected for fiscal year 2023 uh, from 19 is about a 16.8% growth, uh, so averaging about 4 to 5% per year uh, from fiscal 19 to the present time. Questions before we? Uh, this next slide, uh, just as a brief, again, a brief overview of the four, four major sources of revenue for the city, local, state, federal, and transfers in and utilities. Uh, as you can see, the uh, primary and only growth uh, of significant growth is in local, uh, $68.6 million, which is uh, actually more than the net revenue increase as we had decreases in a few other areas. Uh, so uh, this is intended primarily just to show uh, where the growth is um, and what kind of trends the city has been uh, uh, working with in terms of uh, funding the, the expenditure side of the budget. Uh, 
So to highlight a little bit uh, in more detail, the local sources of revenue for the city, uh, the, the largest uh, by far general property taxes, uh, the next largest significant one, other local taxes. And that's makes up primarily the 66 million dollars, give or take, uh, in revenue growth for local and for the city as a whole. Um, their property tax revenue continues to show strong growth, uh, well above 12.12% above fiscal 22 adopted. And uh, the other local taxes, which I'll look at, we'll look at on the next slide, uh, which are primarily uh, user, uh, user taxes on uh, various items, which are now uh, more economy driven and returning to the fiscal 29 level. So while they're, they are an increase, it is really just getting back to where we were four years ago. Question. Yes. I have a question. Um, do these numbers reflect the LCI, um, the state's impact uh, for education as well, the revenue that was supposed to be coming in because of the formula? Um, does the revenue numbers reflect I see a decrease in the state right here on that fourth slide. I'm not sure, and I have to. Yeah, okay, no worries. I just wanted yes. to see if that was a reflection of that. Um, we lost state funding because of that, and I just wanted to know if that reflected the LCI formula that okay. affects us. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so drilling down to another level, to the property tax level, uh, four major components. Uh, there, are, there are more that you will see in the mayor's budget, but these are consolidating them, consolidating them a little further. Uh, again, the largest area of growth within the property taxes are the real, real property taxes, uh, 12%, $43 million growth. Uh, the property tax growth has ranged from 5% to 12% a year over the last four years. And uh, so, as you can see, that's uh, anticipated to continue in fiscal 23. Mr. Kachidi, we have a question. Vice yes. President Robertson. Uh, thank you, um, Madam Chair. And I just want to speak to uh, Ms. Lambert's uh, question regarding the local composite index and the change there. Um, I think that it would be valuable to the council to not only get the difference that we can show from the years that we're looking at the from 19 to 23, uh, the, the actual difference um, and want to make sure that we are looking at what goes to rich and public schools as well, uh, because that's where a lot of the greatest impact is. Sure. But in when you bring us back that information if you could also show us what the number change the formula change the difference in that percentage so that we can have a full appreciation of how richmond's percentages are uh, showing that we are more wealthy uh, as to the reason why our composite index the formula that is being used uh, results in a decrease in funding based on our wealth. And so the analysis of that whole formula process is important that we be able to see that and perhaps propose some additional um, 
future legislative agenda items, uh, Madam Chair, uh, to put on our things to do secondary to the outcome of that report. Thank you. Thank you. And the second uh, major area of growth uh, in local revenue uh, is the user taxes. You can see that uh, I'll tell you that the projected to increase by 15 million or 10% from fiscal 22 adopted to fiscal 23 proposed. Uh, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, those were significantly impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic, and the fiscal 23 revenues are projected to return to fiscal 29 levels uh, in fiscal year 2023. Uh, the pie chart you see there is just a uh, general breakdown of the uh, major categories of uh, local use taxes. This presents a little, presents the same information, it's a little more different graphically and gives a little bit of a history of each of the um, seven major categories that are there. Mr. Kachidi, okay. yes. if you would hold Councilwoman uh, Lambert. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, more so a question to the administration or um, our lobbyists in regards to the grocery tax. How is that affecting our city as well? Um, I remember some legislation going through, but since General Assembly ended last weekend, I wasn't sure where we are on that, um, that bill. Um, is that impacting us here in the city is the question. Thank you. I don't think so as of yet, but Mr. Saunders. Good afternoon, Lincoln Saunders, Chief Administrative Officer. Um, Councilwoman Lambert, we, I don't believe we have a clear picture yet. They adjourned without adopting a budget, and there's significant differences between the House and the Senate um, versions of that, that particular item. I think we are still optimistic that they will pass a version that doesn't hurt us in the short term, um, but I think even in some of the compromised versions I've seen, it would essentially cap future revenue growth from that, that space. So we're hopeful that it doesn't um, create any sort of gap, but we won't know until they reconvene with an, a, in, with a compromise on the budget. Okay, so moving to the uh, expenditure overview of the budget. Similarly to the revenue, you can see pretty clearly the impact of fiscal I'm sorry, of the impact of COVID-19, uh, particularly as we transition from fiscal 20 into fiscal 22. You can see the drop uh, in current year's adopted budget uh, for fiscal 23, projecting an 8.2% uh, increase from the prior year, uh, which uh, follows if, if there had been no pandemic, uh, would have represented what would have been a historical growth over that time period. Uh, obviously, one of the bigger, I shouldn't say obviously, but the main uh, increase in the fiscal 2023 budget are the compensation plans, the public safety pay plan, and the general employee non-public safety pay plans. Uh, this slide in the uh, following one uh, by department list out the increases related to personnel expenditures from fiscal 22 to 23. Uh, these Increases include not only the wages, straight wages and salaries, et cetera, but also overtime, retirement, health insurance. So uh, 
uh, impact not only on um, on salaries, but, but there's many of the costs uh, personnel related that ripple through to other type of personnel accounts. So this is uh, a bigger picture of what the impact of those compensation plans are uh, in in total a 37 million dollar increase. Um, some of that, or say most of that, related to the salary uh, percentage increases, but also some there are some staff additions as well uh, that contribute to that increase. So, uh, if you have questions on any of the individual departments or the city as pay plans as a whole, uh, as Joyce mentioned, um, try to answer any here, or the administration could answer at some later presentation. Yes, Mr. Katie, uh, Councilwoman Jordan, and then Councilwoman Nye. Thank you so much. I appreciate this presentation. Just because it's on this page, um, and we happen to get some, I think, introduced legislation for the Office of the Registrar. Um, I, I guess I didn't realize that we were renting the space that the Registrar's Office is in, and I know it continues to have accessibility complaints about it. Um, before we commit to a longer-term lease, um, I would just appreciate knowing if there's not existing city space that we might uh, consider relocating them to or think of including that program into one of our community centers that we're investing money into. Thank you. Thank you. Councilwoman Nye. Thank you. Um, one area I would like more information on is the sheriff's office and the $2 million increase. Okay, well, there's, a, there's a slide for them later, so maybe that will answer that, but yeah, happy to. Any other? Uh, so the first, uh, I have a, a limited number, seven or eight uh, departmental slides. Uh, first one that I have presented here are the council agencies. Uh, there were a number, number of city council uh, requested budget enhancements. I've highlighted some of them on the on the right side of the slide uh, by department. Uh, also for for this, not only this department, this uh, slide with the other departments as well following to highlight up highlight in the upper right some of the um, changes in, in funded priorities uh, that are in the fiscal 23 budget. As you can see, most uh, most if not all of the personnel uh, enhancements were included in this uh, fiscal 23 budget as well as some as well as some other specific non-personnel items as well. Questions on this? Yep. Um, following on the same path, the city uh, public works department. Uh, the primary um, increase in the public works budget consists of the 5% general in, uh, compensation increase, as well as the $17 minimum wage addition. Uh, also, uh, two new refuse operators uh, that were added as personnel to the budget for fiscal 2023. Moving on to Richmond Police Department, uh, you can see the uh, public safety pay plan and the city employee compensation plan. Some significant increases uh, as a result of those combined almost uh, $11 million uh, to account for the $13 million increase for the department overall. So, um, 
not much else to add there as far as uh, dollar increases. You can see how just uh, just funding those pay plans has a significant impact on the overall Mr. budget. Yes, Mr. Kajidi, um question, Vice President Robertson. Thank you. Um, can we get the um, composition of the employees uh, within the police department? In terms of like title, job titles and such? Um, you know, I don't know whether it's titles or whether it's warrant officers versus uh, administrative, okay. Okay. you know, those broader categories sure. that they fall in. Um, so I know just so that we can have some <clears throat> perspective of the actual size for this budget is sure. what I'm speaking of, how many positions this budget will cover. And for the police department specifically or the city as well? Um, I'm, well, I, I'm particularly interested in this department, but I think for fire as well as sure. for, um, I guess it's the MLS uh, authority okay. uh, staff. Thank you. We'll do that. Councilwoman Lambert. Thank you. And okay. if the budget would, with that request, the proportion of the budget that is related to those broad categories as well. Sure. For those departments. Thank you. Thank you. Oh. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, I had a question, and I'm not sure if you can answer this, but the Office of Professional Responsibility within the police department, does that include internal affairs? What is that? Um, um, oh, 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 yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yes, I just had a question about this office and um, what their role is within the police department. I am not sure. We'll have to get back to you. Okay. I don't know. Lincoln, I know if you... Mr. Saunders, is that something you'll need to get back with us on? Yeah, if that's a, a police chief question. I was just wondering what that aspect... It is separate from internal affairs, but I would like to be able to... Perhaps when we come back to present the pay plan, we can talk about uh, that from within our PD structure. I'd love to be able to have the chief speak to uh, that office and his expectations. For okay, it. thank you. And that will be next week. Is that correct, Mr. Saunders? 28th. Okay, thank you. Councilwoman Trammell. Thank you, Madam President. I apologize for being late. But um, I need to, um, how much does it cost to train per police officer? Going through the academy and all that. Do you know how that? I don't have it here, but I'm sorry. Don't have that here, but happy to get it for you. Don't know that. So you get back with me? Yes. But to train a police officer. To train and also um, how many weeks. And then as far as like when they're in the academy, because I'm hearing different things, because I know that they have to have different trainers come in there to train officers on different things that they have to face every day in the, in the in the streets. It's like what I just, a scene I just left. So I'd, I'd like to have that. Thank and then you, when they're out on, Madam President, mm -hmm. then when they're, when they're out on the street, I'm hearing that they have to be with somebody um, while they're being, I guess they have to get the field training in, in the street or whatever. How many weeks is that? And then are they, how much are they paid for that? And then how much are they paid to go through the class and all of that too? 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Councilwoman Trammell and Mr. Saunders, if you would make note, uh, since you'll be bringing forth. Yes. Thank you. Mr. Kajidi. Thank you. Oh, moving on to uh, fire and emergency services, the next the second department that's impacted by the public safety pay, pay plan. Uh, again, the, the public safety pay, pay plan and the city employee compensation together almost $7 million, six and a half to $7 million, which pretty much accounts for the entire increase for the department uh, for fiscal year 2023. Um, just one uh, note to point out as you're looking at the graph in the bottom, that's spike for fiscal 21 uh, relates to the CARES Act money that uh, was in the department uh, during that fiscal year. So that's a one-time, we hope a one-time spike in that department. On to the sheriff's office, uh, a two million dollar increase in the department for fiscal 2023. Uh, it's almost entirely made up by the five percent employee pay increase. So, yes, the, council, oh, council oh, woman, I'm sorry. sorry, I'm sorry, I lost all sense of order. Um, <laughs> Okay, the 5% employee pay increase was a state. It came via the state, right? Yep. Okay, so did we have to do, is the 2 million the local match for that or? I am not sure. Is is that 2 million coming out of our general fund or is it flowing through us? Um. It is largely, it's the, would you, I would say it's the majority of that is the pass through of that state funding to the sheriff's office because it comes to the city and then goes to it. Then there's additional local funding for, you know, specific aspects to that. We could certainly provide more context on that. Um, have the opportunity, but um, when the state does the 5% pay increase, they give the money to the city, the city gives it to the sheriff's department. So. Thank you. That just a follow-up. I, mm -hmm. I would like to see um, what, if anything, we are contributing to the sheriff's department as an increase from the general fund. If it's just a pass-through, so be it. That's that's fine. But if we're giving a local increase, I'd like to see what that's going to. Uh, we can certainly provide that additional. I think it's also it's likely we have additional details in our. In Mayor's budget includes in the budget pages. Um, clearly, we're, that's not where we're working from here, but um, we do have that. And uh, if you have any questions after looking at the budget book, we'll, we'll plan to speak to it when we come back. Before you leave, Mr. Saunders, Vice President Robertson. <laughs> so, um, my question, I guess, is to everyone, uh, Ms. Davis, uh, Mr. Sanders, and um, as we go through the presentations, I know that you guys are working very cooperatively together to know what is being presented to us and whatever follow-up schedule uh, that is coming for more detailed information. I guess my question is, um, 
we we'll, we spent a lot of time in presentations every year that I have been on city council going through the budget. It's just, and then there's a long list of questions and then there's repeated uh, presentations on different departments and so forth. I guess my question that I'm trying to ask or wanting to uh, get some uh, feedback and advice from you is whether or not it's possible that you all can do joint presentations by by the departments so that I know this is a general overview, which is great. Um, but I'm wondering if there if if you would at least just take it in just let me know whether or not that's more cumbersome than less, uh, and whether or not if we're getting both sides of the presentation and you're prepared at the same time. A lot of the questions that come up are not unusual questions. They're the kinds of questions that I feel that you guys have at your fingertips. We may have at our fingertips as well in the um, Madam Vice President. 500 and some page budget that we have before us. Uh, but just 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 a question uh, to to look at all these ways that we can be as effective as we can through the process. Madam Vice President, if I can, I'll just be, be direct. Um, we were not involved in the development of this presentation. Administration was not. This is a, a council-led um, review of the mayor's proposed budget. Um, I would always recommend a collaborative process and the opportunity as we have been with Ms. with Council um, Chief of Staff's office, but um, you know, I believe I appreciate the opportunity last Monday to give a high level overview. The administration is prepared to go into more detail with council and provide this information. But we are doing our best to come up and provide answers to the questions. But, but we were not in lead or even in collaboration on the development of this presentation. OK, but that's that's not my question. That's not my question as to whether you were. But I'm not always certain that. What is the best? process and I appreciate the fact that the council staff has a, has put together a summary overview for us for the entire budget and perhaps they're planning to do the same thing for the CIP budget. I guess my question though is uh, whether or not uh, we should try to work with those two together uh, and I don't have to have an answer to this right now. I'm just making a suggestion, a suggested question that you can provide me with some more detail once you've had a chance to work through that, explain that a little bit better, uh, would be more than sufficient for me. I don't know that I have the right um, res response here, Vice President, but um, that I think is is something the administration is more than willing to do given the opportunity. Um, we are always prepared to go over at the detail requested by council what's in the proposed budget. Um, it sounds like you're recommending that we do this as a united presentation or as an effort between council staff and administration. I think that would be be recommended as well. Um, I know that this is an important exercise, but it is, I would say, a little bit odd that um, this presentation is happening without the budget department leading it. That's really the direction we should be going. So uh, I just. I'm I, no, I just want to be I just want to be clear. Question of the question that I'm asking. This is not a question of um, 
what has transpired to be where we are. I'm sure that the decisions that were made were made in what they what is believed to be the best uh, way for the presentation to be made. Um, and uh, I know that Ms. Davis has something that she'd like to say, uh, but I appreciate your um, acknowledgement. We never question whether or not there's an interest in collaborating. That's not the question I'm asking, whether or not there's an interest. The question is more specifically as to whether or not it could be done where both sides, where you are prepared to deal with the presentation and questions because we, we planned that jointly together. That's the only question I'm asking. I, and I, I appreciate your answer. I think the answer is yes, Thank from you. my perspective. Okay, Ms. Davis, and then, um, yes. Thank you. So a couple of things, and thank you, Lincoln, for um, your comments. So this is done um, a little bit differently because in previous years, administration has done an analysis of the budget. And the follow-up is that the council staff will sort of do an analysis pretty much to feed off of what they had done. That occurred a little bit differently this year because Mr. Saunders did more of an address. So on Friday, what we tried to do was to share the report that we have because we still had a responsibility to council to ensure that they get the analysis that they're used to um, with the overview of the FY23 proposed budget. So that's what we're trying to do today. With respect to the question that you asked, Ms. Robertson, about um, working collaboratively with administration, we have pursued those meetings and similar to what Mr. Um, Saunders was alluding to, they are willing to come and provide information. In years past, as it's always been, if you ask questions and we come back with the answers to those. What we are trying to do this year is to definitely work to bring you those answers on the spot. And we ask them Friday if there are responses, can you provide those? One of the problems though today is unless we're doing it germane to the topics that are at hand, all of those questions and answers are not going to be provided on the spot, which is what I thought Mr. Saunders was going to say. Sometimes it is possible and sometimes it is not. So for example, um, if it is related to the topics that are at hand, pay plan. So some of the questions that you asked today about pay plan, those are excellent because then we can prepare and make sure that on that day, whether it's administration or council staff, that the analysis of that information is brought forth. So that's helpful for us for the pay plan compensation presentation because we can provide you what you're asking and what you need. Um, the same would be true for any other subjects, but for a lot of these questions, they are premature to the dates that the presentations are scheduled. And so you're not going to have all of the information when you ask the questions. And, and just to sort of give you an idea of the schedule. Pay plan is the 28th, CIP is next. So when we're asking questions that are either out of turn or in turn, 
we have to still note those, which is what staff is doing. And we are trying to make sure that on that given day that we have that information. We can receive any of your interest by email so that we can include those. So, um, Ms. Robertson, we definitely are working in order to have this information. As you know, this staff that we have today, brand new, have been working very hard on bringing this, and we're very happy today to be able to present to you and to come back with responses to your questions. Thank you, Ms. Davis. Um, and just to go back, um, so first to recognize we do have new staff and all the work, and Councilwoman Trammell, I am going to come to you next, um, and, and just have been doing an incredible job. I think uh, to Council Vice President Robertson's point to have some of this in tandem so that when you're doing this piece, and that's by virtue, and I know that you will uh, communicate with the administration and work to have this, these components in tandem so that you're presenting and showing priorities and as you are, but the questions, because the administration is also prepared. So it's more of the tandem and that's the work that I know you'll do with um, Mr. Saunders and the administration as we move forward, so. Uh, with. And Madam President, yeah. that's all a part of the improved process. And, okay. and I will state to you, even the budget amendment, and I was going to talk about this at the end, even the budget amendment process, administration has already committed to trying to make sure that we have uh, a concerted effort and an improved process. Okay. So I can explain that more to you, but I also ask the patience of Council of any process. We're working through trying to make sure that we can have what you need and the tools available so that we can get through this particular budget cycle. So if you have questions, please feel free. You've yeah. always been very responsive and we will continue to do. Thank you, Ms. Davis. That's certainly been the case and uh, I, you're definitely not hearing complaint as much as um, opportunity to be even more efficient and uh, to have anticipated based on uh, areas, the appropriate, you know, staffing on the administrative side. Councilwoman Trammell. Thank you, Madam President. Also, um, I, I agree with some of the things that um, Vice President Council, Councilperson um, Ellen Robertson saying. I think that public safety is probably right now one of the most critical things that we must be talking about and going over with so much that has happened in um, not only Southside, but all over all over our city. And um, I think that council members need to have an independent review too, because we can't just let administration has to present it to us. We have to go over it. And then we have like so many questions and so many, like some questions I had today that needs, and also my colleagues that, we need to have the police here to help us, you know, fulfill those answers and to make sure that all of us are on the right track to know where are we going to go with this. I've never, never in my life seen since the 90s that crime is, is the violence and the, just some of the things that's happening right there on the streets. And, you know, we got to, you know, like some of the questions I asked you, it's like I'm having people, I mean, we just lost two more police officers. 
even though the mayor has presented that he's going to give them more money, other incentives to, to maybe bring some of the other ones back. But then when I hear an officer tell me, I came back and I'm at the lowest of the podium with over 15 years of, of, of training, you know, knowledge, and I'm being paid at the bottom, you know, what kind of, and then look at the retirement. These are things that this is the things that in retirement's just not with police and fire, it's for all of our city employees. So I think that we need to, I, with, as far as public safety, I want them here where I can talk to them one-on-one. Some of the questions with the sheriff's office, I won't, I won't ask them right now, but I have, I have some questions with this. But um, I appreciate you. Thank you, Madam President. Thank you, Ms. Trammell. And they, um, as I understand from the administration, when they do the presentation on the pay plan, um, our public safety professionals will be present, so the chief and other uh, representatives, so that very specifically the questions that you've asked and others can be addressed at that time. Councilwoman Jordan? Yes, thank you. Just to piggyback on that, definitely interested in hearing how the pay plan addresses the different years of service versus people coming in new. That's something that our office has gotten outreach on as well. So if you just add it within those notes, I'd appreciate it. And if there's room to um, resolve that before we adopt this budget and what that cost would be. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Kajidi, if you could proceed. Thank you. Well, briefly through the next couple of departments, the last two, uh, Parks and Recreation, um, again, some of the highlights that uh, the minimum wage and 5% increase um, a new pilot park ranger program and funding for the after school extended day, which uh, as I looked a little closer is actually, um, anybody feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, is actually transfer funds from the public school department to the parks department. So it should not actually be listed as a uh, new funding. Um, so again, tried to highlight uh, those, the increase related to the employee compensation alone is about $1.4 million. And the park ranger program uh, is cost in addition to the two park ranger positions, but about $250,000, which is um, highlighted in the mayor's budget. Mr. Kachidi, before you go on, Councilwoman Lambert. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, I just uh, wanted to look into um, all the funding, the ARPA funding that's coming through for our community facilities. Can you all show um, to that effect how that's going to affect the budget as well? Um, I know last year the $8 million that's coming to the Calhoun Center, I just want to make sure the 500000 that went to parks and recreation for um, recreation for the youth, that 500000 I want to know where that money's going. Like, what does that look like? Um, and I don't know if you can answer that now. I jumped up to correct something just from the prior statement regarding the 1.4 million in increased funding is new funding because okay. we did not reduce our PS's funding by the similar amount because of their moving away from extended day and, and Parks and Rec needing to um, plan for additional after school opportunities. So I did just want to clarify that it's still new funding um, okay. it comes out of incremental revenues. Um, but could, would I, could I ask you to please repeat the question regarding the 500,000? Yeah, the, um, in the budget with the um, last year, the 500,000 that went towards gun violence prevention, 
we had put that in for parks and recreation for the um, recreational activities for the youth this past summer. So you just want to make sure where that money's going. But also, I know the $8 million that the mayor put in for the Calhoun Center, in addition to all the other ARPA funds for the community centers, I just wanted to see that reflected um, in this so that we can just have an idea of. I guess my understanding is if it's half, half million in the current fiscal year, we wouldn't have reflected it in the in the FY23 budget. Um, but if it's all right, I would like to just follow up with you with the details yeah, of that. Definitely. Of 500,000 in its status. Okay, thank you. Yes, so Mr. Katie. Yes, please proceed. Okay, thank you. Uh, the last of the department slides, uh, again, the uh, major increase in social services related to the uh, $17 minimum wage and the 5% wage increase for uh, general employee compensation. Questions there? Uh, lastly, I uh, wanted to, or second to lastly, present uh, all the other departments that didn't have an individual slide with the same uh, basic information and the increases by dollar and percentage, uh, uh, including all all funds, not just not just employee compensation, but all funds. Um, so you can see the uh, proposed increases for each of those departments, as well as the history. So overall, for those uh, departments that weren't um, presented earlier, about a $31 million increase. Uh, Lastly, just a brief overview of non-departmental non expenditures uh, with the four of the uh, highlights uh, and increased funding in the budget for fiscal year 2023 that spoke to uh, some of the uh, council member priorities that were made in the fall. Thank you, Mr. Kajidi. I just want to just say for, for members, if you would um, submit any additional questions uh, to Joyce so that we can, between Mr. Kajidi and Ms. Davis and the administration, get those answers back uh, to you. That would be really appreciated. Thank you for this work. Thank you. This is a great overview and presentation. Yes, um, Councilwoman Trammell. Madam President, one question. You're saying that once we look at the budget, like the, per se, the public safety, if we have any questions like some of the ones that we brought up today, do we give them to Joyce? Yes, and the, yes, absolutely. And we'll make sure because there's going to be a presentation on that pay. Mr. Saunders, did you say that that presentation on the pay study, which would include our public, would be on the 28th? Okay, and so those questions, you know, would come back and hope would be answered in person present uh, as so well. If we have any questions you want them in by this week. That means anything pertaining like public safety, like the sheriff, the police, the fire. Yes, any questions Animal on control. any of it. Okay. Uh-huh. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Lincoln. Yes, Ms. Davis, do you want to? And Ms. Trammell, we we have the questions that you asked today. So Ms. Shaw and Ms. Brown and myself are noting the questions that you asked today. But if you have any additional questions that you want covered, 
we will make sure that either we conduct the analysis or that we pass that information on to administration. Mr. Saunders is going to do his presentation on 28th. And so all of that will be sent to him so that he can include it as a part of what he will cover. So if you could let us know that, we would appreciate it. We'll send a, a follow-up email out with this instruction. And Joyce, you're talking about, about, Madam President, you, she's talking about like if there's, like per se, we were talking about the pay when an officer has left and comes back and then they're like at the bottom of the podium instead of with all the knowledge that they've had before. And that's what that's the call I got this morning. This morning. How can the mayor say that he wants to bring it? He's going to, he wants to give us incentive to come back, us to leave the surrounding county and come back to Richmond. But how is that when I'm going to be starting at the bottom instead of with the, with the years of service and the knowledge that I had before I left? Sure. That Does level that of sense? detail. Right. Um, that level of detail, I think we would have to address with the administration. I don't know that that is something that would necessarily be captured without requesting. Mr. Saunders, you want to speak to that? And then Councilwoman Nye. Ms. Tremel, I, I think um, we'd like to make sure again at the next meeting we have an opportunity to speak to that directly. I do believe that in the past that has been the internal practice within the departments that individuals who come back um, kind of restart with the gaining of seniority, but that is something the chiefs and I have been talking about uh, revisiting that as a as a topic. I'm not, I don't have the latest on on their current thinking, but we'll be glad to speak to that next week. Okay, so I'm quite sure people are listening, but in other words, we're this is just not going to be just swept underneath the carpet. We're definitely going to look at this because I have heard that enough that maybe one or two officers would like to come back because yes, they miss the city and they mm -hmm. live in the city. So, ma'am, if I can just speak to the principle of it without mm -hmm. necessarily um, understand. specifically addressing the policy, uh, that's exactly what we want to hear and what we want to see. And I think if somebody who's worked for the department previously and wants to mm -hmm. transfer to the city, uh, if we have an opportunity for them to maintain the, the seniority that they, they could or would have had if they stayed with the city, I think we should give that strong consideration because if that helps us to bring officers who've left to come and gain additional experience and have an opportunity to come back, I think it's well worthwhile. Um, I've heard that from members of command staff and the chiefs as well. So I think it's just a matter of um, drilling down to the details of it. All right, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Madam. Mr. Saunders, thank you, Councilwoman Trammell. Councilwoman Nye. Thank you. Um, could I get a review of when amendments are due? When amendments are due, that's the 30th, correct? It is March 30th, um, Council Member Nye. Is that for both operating and VIP? Is it for both? Sir? Is it for both? Operating is for March 30th. And we will present the list on April 1st. And as we move on, let me just tell you how we're planning on doing that. We haven't finished the conversations, but what we're hoping, and I'll send you an email um, to follow up with this, is we are working with administration. What they are willing to do is when you submit your budget amendment, you don't have to necessarily look for the place to move it. 
they feel like they know the areas where money can be derived and taken from and are willing to work with you so that you don't have to have the usual process that you go through. And so that is one of the levels of improved um, process that we are planning on going through. We have not worked through all the details of that. And so at the end of the next presentation, which was supposed to start at two o'clock, um, I was gonna go over some of that information. So Madam President, one of the things that I would like to do is to move from this presentation that started at one and to move to the Davenport presentation because one of the things that I was told, which was compelling, is that they are paying them by the hour in order to come. So they are here and I don't want to run out of time by three o'clock that they're not able to do their presentation. Thank you, Ms. Davis. I appreciate that. Um, however, I do want to make sure that we address the concerns. Uh, yes, no, I know we will. And so, so I appreciate that. I suspect they could hold for a moment or two over there. Uh, Mr. Saunders, did you have comments? Uh, just at the, um, uh, appreciate the, um, Ms. Davis's comments regarding administration's interest in kind of revisiting how we do the amendment process. Just wanted to provide clarity in that is that it's, um, we'd like to have an opportunity to either provide feedback on where the, the, the need or desire is addressed in the budget or is otherwise where we could make a recommendation for how we could accomplish the goal without needing to move funding. And if we do need to move funding, um, looking at what options could be available, but I don't want to make a, make a, make it seem like every amendment will, will, will correspond to a, a, a funding allocation or a transfer, et cetera. Um, it's certainly within the realm that we would say we don't recommend that amendment or otherwise, but I just want to put it out there. We do want to kind of approach it from a collaborative problem solving process rather than a, you know, if you want to find something new to do, you've got to find the corresponding cut, which I think sometimes has um, led to unnecessary conflict when we could just be collaborative. Mr. Saunders, we certainly appreciate that opportunity and uh, look forward to that work together. Madam. Dr. Nouveau? Yes, Councilwoman Nye. I know we need to move on, but just one second follow-up. Um, so will you send around a template for the amendments? Okay, all right, thank you. Thank you, Councilwoman Nye. Uh, Ms. Davis, will you be introducing the next presentation? Oh, is that okay? Welcome, Ms. White. Good afternoon, Madam President, Madam Vice President, honorable members of City Council. I am Sheila Thomas. Goodness, I've gone back. I'm Sheila White. <laughs> going all the way back to my maiden name. Wow. Uh, I'm pleased to be here to introduce to you Davenport and Company. They are the financial advisors for the City of Richmond. They've been with the City of Richmond uh, since 2000. I have with me today David Rose and Roland Cooch, and they will pre uh, present debt capacity and affordability briefing. This was presented last Thursday at the Finance uh, Standing and Economic Standing Committee meeting, and uh, it was such it was so beneficial. We wanted to bring it back to the full council today. I did want to um, clarify one point. Um, 
the financial advisors, they're, it's a contractual service, so they're not paid by the hour, but their time is very valuable. And so we want to make sure that we make the best use of their time today. And so with no further ado, I'll turn it over to David. Thank you, Ms. White. Welcome. Thank you, Council President. Good to see you again um, and all members of council. Uh, again, I'm David Rose and uh, my partner of some 30 years, Roland Cooch. Um, he does not look like he's been around 30 years. Unfortunately, I do. So what can I say? Um, again, but pleased to be here. Uh, we do have hard copies of our presentation and hopefully you all have that. If not, we've got some extras. Um, let me start by saying what I told the uh, finance committee the other day, and that is the city's finances are in very sound shape. Um, and we see that primarily from outside uh, reviewers that have no particular interest in any particular city, and that is the national credit rating agencies. There are three of them, Fitch, Moody's, and Standard & Poor's, or S&P. And all three of those have the city's ratings uh, for what we've been talking about today or you've been talking about today, which is your general fund, basically at one step below AAA. And that's the highest as possible. In addition, uh, you have separate enterprise fund of the utility system. And you'll see there that you're also very highly rated. Uh, and in fact, the world stopped roughly two years ago, almost to this day, was the folks that came from the rating agencies to look at the utility system. And at that point, Moody's Investor Service, arguably the most difficult of the rating agencies, upgraded the city of Richmond's utility system financially to what we call AA1, which is, again, one step away from AAA. So with all of that being said, there's several reasons for that. I'm going to touch on those today. Uh, and that is that you have some very strong financial policies. And for years now, you've adhered to all of those policies and we'll touch on those. So in addition, what I'd like to do this afternoon is talk a little bit about debt levels, affordability, uh, capacity, what we mean by all those can be found in the definitions here on this page. But let me just say this, debt capacity, really what we mean there is how much debt can the city do or have outstanding and be reasonable to be in compliance with best practices as a local government. So that's what capacity means. Where the rubber meets the road is debt affordability. How do I pay for it? That's another way of saying, how big is my credit card? If I'm going to have 100 cents on the dollar for all of the budget, how many cents should be there for debt service? And again, you've got policies for that. In the current budget right now, uh, we have got roughly $87 million of long-term debt service that is part and parcel of the overall budget. And what we're going to talk about is some of the things that you've already approved and could be approving over the next uh, few days, weeks, and months, and years actually, will impact that $87 million. And we're going to talk about what that means to the current and future budgets. So let's start with, as I mentioned, some adherence to your policies. You basically have three financial policies, 
in that first bullet, and I'll show you in a couple of minutes what they look like and what they mean, so they're just not a bunch of numbers and points on the page. I think they'll jump out better when you see them shown graphically. I think the second critical point here is that middle point, and that is that right now when we talk about the debt of the city going forward, what we have is almost $538 million of authorized for CIPs, both prior and future, that are part of the overall equation that we're going to show you how the city intends to pay for that and what it means to both debt capacity and debt affordability. And then lastly, just so we make sure everybody realizes this, particularly those that are in the audience that are watching, the city has been financially responsible over the last five years in the way it's gone about this. So make no mistake, while those are big numbers, uh, the city has been able to and will continue to do what it needs to do to make sure it stays in compliance. I have no doubt of that. All right, so let's talk a little bit about the overall debt of the city. And just to give you a sense of an important concept, and that is the debt that the city has already done. This is debt that's already been, uh, in effect, issued going back to basically 2009. You'll see there that there are a number of years tied into a number of big projects. So, for example, in the middle, the new school construction, all of the schooling funding that was done, uh, some 150 million, if you would, that's already been issued. We're going to be paying for that out to 2040. So that is a major component, as is the Justice Center, something that you had no choice with, but you had to do. That will be going through, in effect, uh, the next several years will be tailing off towards the end of the decade. But again, even towards the very end of 2040, there's still a little bit of debt service to be paid. So the takeaway here is the decisions that are made now will have multi-year impacts. And I think we just wanted to point that out. So I said earlier, there are three policies that are the primary policies. The first one, and not in any order of importance, by the way, but the first one is just the sheer amount of debt versus our total assessed values. And the assessed values are the taxable assessed values. Um, so we don't count, for example, this particular building, which is a tax-exempt uh, item that doesn't count against that assessed value. But that said, we have a limitation of 3.75%, and the dark green is the debt that's already been issued. That was the $87 million, if you would. That's the debt service on. But the light green is that $537 million on top of that. So again, the important takeaway here is that we are comfortably within policy. And in fact, this denominator, if you would, the assessed value that we use, we are very conservative in the number that we use going forward. Uh, I believe the nice number we use was 2% a year of growth. So again, we're trying to be very careful. The next policy, though, is probably the true governor, if you would, the constraint with regard to the overall city's budgets. And that is basically the credit card. What we say is that we will not have at any time in a fiscal year 
more than 10 cents of every dollar of the budget going to debt service. And when I talk about debt service, let me just add that we're talking about the general fund. We have an entire utility system that is self-supporting. It's from user fees. That does not count against any of this debt because, again, that's totally tied to those that pay for utilities get the utility benefit. So going back to here, the general fund, again, you can see in the dark green, that's where we are right now. It trends down nicely. And again, we layer in the light green, which is that roughly $537 million. So once again, using a low assumption in terms of budget growth, we still are within policy, but nevertheless, it's a tighter policy than the previous. Last policy is something we call a 10-year payout ratio. Maybe the best way to explain that to the citizenry is this. If you're fortunate to own a home and you happen to have a mortgage, and let's say that mortgage is a 30-year mortgage, and let's say that mortgage is $100,000, after 10 years, the average mortgage holder will basically pay off about 25% of that mortgage. In effect, if it's a $100,000 mortgage, $25,000 will be paid off after 10 years. You, the city, though, have a policy that says that you'll pay 60% of your debt off in 10 years. That's one of the reasons why you're able to take on new debt and to do new projects, because you do pay your debts off rapidly. And so the red line is the one we don't want to go below. And then you can see there with the light green, we're always above that policy, which is what we want to be. That's important to recognize that, again, we're paying our debts quicker. Yes, Councilman Trammell. Yes, Councilman Trammell. Madam President, I have a question. Um, you just said that we're paying like 60% more so. At least 60% off in 10 years. Said another way, if you were fortunate to have a home mortgage, and you say it's a 30-year mortgage, we're paying it off faster than 30 years. In fact, we're basically paying off more of our debts over 20 years. We're paying over half of our debts in just the first 10 years. We're paying our debt off very rapidly. So that's how we're able to borrow more and more and more. Yes. For say because we're paying it off very quickly. We're not just throwing it on the next generation and saying good luck. But it's not like saying, because this is like, you know, because like the banks will tell you that if you put money each month towards the principal, you can pay it off faster. Mm -hmm. But what we're doing, we're just we're doing that as well. Lumps we are doing that. We are we are actually that's that's a great way of putting it. We are actually putting money away every month. In this case, we go by year, but every year we're putting that money away to pay it off faster. Right. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Councilwoman. Okay. So having said all that, let's talk a little bit more about this roughly $538 million, if you would. Um, this recognizes that we're going to do a series of borrowings. Again, all of this is planned. Uh, the good side here is that we're able to have uh, some adjustment in how quickly we do some things, depending upon how projects get started. Uh, and as a result of all that, what we like about this is that we don't just borrow it all at one time. We borrow it in increments. Therefore, if the economy 
has a sudden turn. If something happens with regard to the city, we're not overly exposed. Uh, but at the same time, we do know that we have considerable spending over the next five or six years. And so as a result, we have in the light blue those planned issues over the basically the next six years. So one of the things that the city has done, and I have to say, and I haven't done this yet, um, when uh, Sheila talked about Davenport being fortunate to work with y'all for now five different uh, mayors, going back to uh, Senator Kane when he was mayor, um, what we have seen over the time is there's been ups and downs as it relates to bench strength, as it relates to abilities of the staff. I think the good news here for all of us is that from my perspective and Roland's, um, the city staff you have today is as deep and as strong as it's been in roughly a, a quarter century. That's important. Uh, it doesn't mean that we can't always have a couple more people to help with their workload, but the critical people and the critical positions are there. And as a result, one of the reasons I bring that up is that we're going to be talking today about a recommendation for what we call a capital planning strategy that was introduced the other day to the city uh, finance committee about a line of credit at the amount of $10 million dollars which would be for purposely for major capital planning purposes. I think this is a very smart, smart and strategic thing. Um, when Ms. Joy Hogg was over at Charlotte, which we now work with as their advisor um, and still work with them, uh, this concept was introduced particularly to make sure that the city had as good a handle as possible on getting ready to fund or to look at possibly funding major capital projects, to do the planning, if you would, and not to be in a mode where they were surprised if there wasn't enough planning done. So this $10 million line is intended for big projects that are being considered that may not go forward. But the idea, particularly in this environment, with the cost of things and inflation being so high, subcontractors being so difficult to come by, the idea here is to spend some extra time and money to do the planning process to minimize those surprises on the cost of projects. And then ultimately, it's your decision to move forward or not. But this is one of those things that I think speaks to best practices, speaks to upping the city's game in the old being penny wise, pound foolish. So thinking ahead of time. And so the last bullet point we make is that if we have a program like this, we think we can better match those bond authorizations to the actual spending and the actual debt issuance. So again, we're trying to refine what has been good for us, but to get even better in the couple and subsequent years, again, given the environment that we see right now. So let me go to the debt affordability, if we could, how to pay for all this uh, and what it all means. So let me just give you a sense of a couple of important points, if we could. When we talk about debt, when we talk about affordability, you may recall that we always use what we call a real estate tax equivalent. It doesn't mean that we're suggesting by any means that you raise the real estate taxes. And I can tell you right now, we're not suggesting that. But what we are saying is that roughly 
every penny on real estate is slightly over $3 million. If you think of that as a penny is about three or so million dollars, we're going to show you how the city's affordability works over the next five or six years. And I think the takeaway from all this is that we're going to see, by virtue of that roughly $540 million, that we're going to need the equivalent of more dollars in subsequent years. It's modest in the upcoming year, but it's going to grow, and we're going to show you that both graphically and numerically. So let's start with graphically. The rubber meets the road basically in the latter part of this decade out in 27, 28, 29. Now, we've also made several assumptions in terms of the cost of debt service. I can tell you that today the cost of debt service is lower than what we've assumed purposely. So that red lines may not be as high as they look. But what we're looking at, and you know we get paid to think worst case, to be careful so that they're not surprises. And with that said, what you'll find is basically we see ourselves going upwards of some $14 million by effectively the end of the latter part of the decade. That's that red that goes over and above the yellow. And the yellow is basically where we are now, that 87 million, if you would, that we budget for debt service. So that equates to about four and a half pennies on the real estate tax rate. Again, there's any number of ways that you can pay for that. We have natural growth. We have good economic development occurring. We've got, again, uh, ways that we look at future budgets. But if you just want to think about this in terms of the pressures that you have, it's the equivalent of about four to five pennies by the end of the decade with regard to just the natural rise in debt service. As I said earlier, you're still in compliance with all of your policies. And if you look at and think about how significantly the revenues have grown this year, those numbers are all achievable. But we still have to be careful. We want to be, uh, again, as transparent as possible that if we're going to keep our strong credit ratings, we're going to have to make sure that we always have enough revenues to take care of the debt service. So this here on the right-hand side, on the yellow, simply actually shows those numbers. And as I said, the, sort of the high watermark, if you would, is in 2028, roughly five years from now, we need about 13 and three-quarter million additional dollars over and above where we are basically today. Mr. Rose, um, yes, yes, Councilwoman Trammell has Thank a question. You. Thank you, Madam President. I don't, I don't know, I don't fully get what you're trying to say. We have a mayor that realizes that the people are suffering right now with the high price of gas, food, mm -hmm. medical, COVID that's still here, things like that. And you're talking about maybe later on that we might need to raise the real estate tax again, no. or, or I mean, look at all that. I mean, I don't know if you know, but. We have a hell of a lot of development coming in the city. Problem is people can't get their permits, can't get their inspection and things like that. That is holding people back. Not only that, look at the price of lumber, materials, roofing, all of that, paint, things like that that has gone up. So when you put this out here and the people hear this, they're going to go crazy in our city because they're paying way too much now. The, the real estate tax, $1.20. Per 100, you got Chesterfield here, Michael Hanover and all them lowering them and giving people back a rebate. And we didn't. 
except for the mayor is saying that if we were, by the grace of God, get the one casino back, he could lower the real estate tax two cents. Yeah, Lincoln, go ahead. Yes, Mr. Saunders, if you would. Mr. Ramey, I, I very much appreciate the, the comment, the question, and I can understand the the way it would be perceived about the the comparison for council's understanding of what a penny on the real estate tax generates. Um, but to be clear, what I think this graph demonstrates is the need for economic development so that we can fund um, the, the the services and the the capital that we need to for the city. Uh, so with by the grace of God, we one casino uh, comes and is able to generate, you know, 20 or 30 million dollars in annual revenue. You see how that helps us meet meet this need and objective. So it is not a it's not a comparison that what is clear here is that we need to grow revenues to fund uh, future services. Lincoln, what maybe needs to be said that we are we're on the roll right now. We've got a lot of development coming. It's just taken so long to get the permits and inspection so people can get these, you know, get more money coming into the city by paying the utilities, by paying real estate tax and things like that. But when we put something like that, people are going to see it and hear it and they're going to think, okay, I got, you know, three or four years. They're going to probably raise my real estate tax or they're going to raise this because they're going to say they don't have enough money. Well, people calling me and, you know, because you and I talk all the time about people saying, well, if we had this done, that done, it could be generating all this money that you all say you ain't got. Mr. Chairman, there's a lot to, to, that I could respond to in that in that comment. I Again, I understand and we were convers- talking this weekend about permitting and looking to make improvements. Um, there was an article this morning in BizSense that yeah. if you look at the balance of it, what it is showing is that volume of permitting is significantly up. We have a system that needs to be updated in, in the Antergov system. Um, but people are are at least uh, acknowledging that the the staff leadership from our building commissioner David Alley and planning director um, are, people are seeing responsiveness and progress. We have ways to go. That's why we meet on this uh, several times a week so that we are continuing to move forward in in making those necessary improvements to the planning department. Lincoln, I understand. And then when you see the article in there, it looks like we're incompetent. We're not doing our job. It looks like you know we should have saw this coming two years ago because we know I know. I've never had so much development trying to come into the 8th District in all my life, what I've seen in the past four years. I certainly don't agree with the, the comment that it, it... Do you see what I'm trying to say, though? I, I do see what you're trying to say, but, you know, I clearly I don't think it's an, it's an incompetence. I do think that there is a boom in construction. It is. Uh, that I, I can promise you COVID has not made it easier uh, for us, and, and we have certainly pieces of... The process that um, had to be addressed when we went to fully virtual as opposed to being able to meet with contractors in person um, that have, I think, in some ways uh, had ancillary effects that that we're continuing to work through. So I hear you. It's a it's a priority. It's one of the two or three top priorities um, that I get up every morning thinking about um, and we're going to make progress on it. Well, I'm quite sure the president of council and the vice president of council, which both of them have seen the article, and I know that they've come in, that they were they had some concerns and some questions too, especially when I've already gotten two more texts in reference to that article about this is not right. Why would you source it all the way out there instead of bringing in jobs here? I can't speak to how the how the procurement. I, I do I believe it was a competitive procurement and. You know how those those regulations are in place. And, and if you because concerns have been raised, and I shared with someone earlier today. Um, and so if we can have a conversation or an update relative to that particular item, that will work. really help. Pull that together. Certainly. Okay.
Thank you. Councilwoman Jordan. Thank you. Just to stay on this topic a little bit. So if we don't hit revenues, I mean, that is the, the scare, right? If there is a recession or a downturn and we don't hit these revenues, um, we're going to be above that debt service budget goal. So I just wonder with, with the funding that we have, if you go back to slide nine, we're looking at the extended amount of debt service on, maybe it was a nine. On my sheet, it might have been a different one. Um, for the Coliseum in the Convention Center, like, would we not be better off trying to pay those off faster? And I know, I think the administration has had success before in um, paying things off sooner to bring down this extended, um, on slide 13, I guess, this exposure. Well, you bring up a, You bring up a great question. So in the past, we have done some of that. When we've had certain excess revenues, we've paid debts off faster. We've refinanced because we have a good credit rating. We're able to get lower rates than we used to. Plus, the market's been good. But I think the other takeaway here is one that I haven't yet talked about, and that is the current administration's budget uh, puts in some significant cash funding for capital projects so that we don't have to issue as much debt in the future. That's one of the recommendations that we're going to touch upon. Uh, that's one, something that the city has really needed to do for many years. Um, it's been something that's been out there, but if we can do that and it's part of your existing plan budget, um, that will have an impact as well. Because if you think about it, for every dollar that we're able to do projects and not have to borrow, we have no debt service to pay. We don't add to that red that Councilwoman Trammell is talking about. So that helps bring down, if you would, that that going over that level. So you've got that put into this budget, at least proposed. The other thing, too, though, so should we hit a particular slowdown, uh, it is very possible, not absolute, that we can slow down some of the debt borrowing that we're talking about to once again, as Councilman Trammell says, not have that rise as high as it looks to be. But our job for all of you, and I said this to the Finance Committee, is to give you an effect, a multi-year view so that the decisions you make today are ones that you know are made with the thought of not just next year, but multiple years out there. So we want to make sure because to, to Councilman Trammell's point, the the overall city is doing very well economic development wise. There are a lot more dollars. Think of the casino alone. We're talking about over five years from now, maybe going up some 12 or 14 million dollars over where we are. Yet if the casino project works, even two thirds of what you hope for, that's 20 million dollars. So that's a number significantly larger than even the number I'm talking about here. And that's just one project. So again, not meant to scare anybody, but the idea here is we want to see the city position itself so that it's in better shape five years from now than it is today. And by doing these kinds of discussions and having this kind of robust discussion, I think helps everyone to realize the city's in good shape, Outside folks that don't care about a given city like Richmond have said you're in excellent shape. 
And at the same time, they also say with caution, make sure you keep staying within the white lines, which are your policies. And we're planning on doing that. And that's the takeaways. Yes, sir. Yes, Councilwoman Trammell and then Councilwoman Lambert. May I just add one quick comment, just a clarification, because I I think the balance is that is that it's it's not a binary choice of um, raise the revenues or we have to raise raise taxes. We also have, you know, essentially we'll, we'll, we'll have the opportunity to look at scaling back our plans and programs, right? So we may end up looking that we have to reduce some of the planned investments or services um, in order to meet the revenue projection. So I think to David's point, this is all about looking down the road at what um, our our planned authorizations are, how we've programmed the future capital budget, what we're hoping to do. Um, Clearly ARPA has helped us with some of those plans to meet some of the the community needs. Um, But I just wanna be clear, this is, is, it is is not a binary, Um, we will, be able to bring forward recommendations and and adjustments that adjust to the reality um, when we get to those those out years. Thank you, Mr. Saunders. You may want to stay there for a moment. Yeah, Madam President, <laughs> Councilwoman Lincoln. Um, Lincoln, I just want to say that um, I definitely believe there is more than 232,000 citizens in the district. I mean, in the city. I wish the district mm-hmm. in the city, but also that I don't think everybody got counted, like the homeless people. We have to realize that they spend money, even though they're homeless, they go into the stores to, to use their money to buy sodas and things like that. They have to pay a tax on that. And I've heard from so many of them that have told me they didn't even know what the forms were. They never saw the form. So that goes to tell you right there how many of hundreds of them that got left out and didn't get counted. How many others that live in our city pay the taxes but don't have a home per se that they call this is my home or this they're on a lease or whatever because they're living with other family members. They still pay a tax when they go to any store or buy gas or anything like that. And I believe that in another two years, it's going to be their city is going to it's going to it's going to explode as far as the population and with the money coming in. All I'm trying to say is that we need to make sure that we get the money and use it wisely and make sure that we're not going to try to talk about, you know, raising raising our taxes when we have the mayor that says he wants to lower the real estate tax by two cents. Maybe we could lower it a little bit more than two cents by the time all this takes effect. Thank you, Madam President. Thank you, Councilwoman Trammell. Councilwoman Lambert. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, just had a question. I know when I came on the council, um, there was a debt called OPEC. Can you explain to me how that is incorporated in here in your presentation? Is that disease projection as a Thank you. Okay. Yeah, I'm new to all of these that, that's, acronyms. That's sort of an acronym, other post-employment benefits. Mm-hmm. And that is a long-term liability that all local governments, cities, counties have um, alongside your your pensions as well. So basically the, the rating agencies, and we look at sort of the three-pronged level of liabilities. One is the debt service I'm alluding to here. Mm-hmm. Two is that OPEB, which again is something that's calculated and worked through with the staff and the actuaries. And then lastly, your pensions, which is a combination of, again, in your case situation, your, your Richmond uh 
your 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 pension, if you would, uh, program. So all of those things together, this is the this is the, the one of the major components, like I said, that we talk about because um, those other two, the OPEB and the pensions, they are in effect governed a little differently okay. than this. Um, and so this particular situation is one that we try to to emphasize. We do not, Roland and I, as your advisors, typically advise on the OPEB or the the pensions. That's something that's a little bit different, not necessarily in our wheelhouse. Okay. So I just point that out, uh, Councilmember Lambert. I appreciate that. Thank but you. It's all, but I will say this, when the rating folks come and look at you, mm-hmm. those are all factored in. They yeah. look at all of this. Um, and again, um, that's that's the way it works. Thank you. I appreciate that. Okay. Yes, it's all confusing, but it's it's still coming together. So I appreciate. OPEC that. made me think of oil and yeah. all those things. So, <laughs> I, like yeah. I knew I knew you didn't think that was uh, was going on. Councilwoman right. um, Lambert, I will just be a couple more minutes if I sure. Could, just, uh, but to Councilwoman yes. Lambert's point, OPEC, um, when we have the rest of the budget presentation, because there is an allocation in our budget for that, and so there can be more discussion. Okay. Yes. Thank you, Mr. Um, I'm just going to talk a couple minutes more, if I could, um, about just a couple points that I made, and, and I alluded to this as I was getting towards that. And that is, again, the fact that your staff and the administration is including cash funding of the CIP is important. It does those things that I said earlier, uh, and it will further help to make the city that much stronger financially. So we're hoping that that will start out uh, at this coming year at the levels that are talked about, which basically is a, a $10 million level. And we're hopeful that if time and all the things happen economic development wise, those numbers can grow each year, which then in turn will have a positive effect on the debt ratios and debt levels. And again, it's only a positive if we can do that. I think the last point about this, and I mentioned this to the Finance Committee, is the benefit as well of having cash funding. Is Let's assume that we incorporate that $10 million and you decide that it is part of the ultimately adopted budget. Let's assume that things go south next year and revenues don't meet where you're hoping they would be. By having that $10 million in there, that acts as a cushion, if you would. So as a result, if you need to use some of that for something else in a dire emergency, again, I want to point that out, but in a dire emergency, that's the type of thing that the rating agencies look at and say those monies can be transferred. Nobody wants to do that. That's not the goal, but that is one of the benefits of having the ability to have cash as part of your overall budget. Okay, a couple more things that I'd like to point out that we did, and that is with regard to revenues and flexibility. Um, We know that from time to time there are various budget proposals that talk about using and dedicating some dollars All of those things uh, on the surface make a lot of sense, trying to have some recurring revenues to take care of something. Having said that, I know I'm not elected, but selfishly, if we can have the maximum revenue flexibility, that typically is ideal. Um, If we can do that, but know that in a given year, certain dollars will be uh, accorded to certain key projects, 
that's going to be critical. Hopefully, it can be a little bit more flexible and stay that way, uh, particularly the way the state is set up. Our state is not like some other states that allow you to, to target some dollars and do it as easily. So from our perspective, want to keep seeing, doing this, to have the flexibility, it'll keep us in good stead. And I just wanted to point that out. And then lastly, what we'd like to touch on, in fact, again, when Councilmember Lambert asked about OPEB, um, I mentioned, like, again, the three-headed liability, and one of those was the Richmond retirement system, the pension system, if you would. So let me just give you a little bit of uh, sobering news and some good news, both. The first is that your pension system historically uh, the goal is to be at 80% funding. Uh, that may sound a little odd, but because of the way the actuarial tables work and timing work, basically, if you hit that, that green dotted line of 80%, that really means that over time, you're going to be able to take care of all your requirements. Having said that, this past year, it popped up to about 72%, but it's still below the 80%. So, again, we're still below that target. Uh, one of the things that puts a lot of pressure on that um, are the cost of living adjustments. And so, again, I understand I'm in the enviable spot. I don't have to get elected and no one will probably elect me. I get all that. Uh, but nevertheless, my job here is to say that as you think about adjustments, we want to just be careful that the overall system has enough wherewithal in it to take care of the retirees. And so we'd like to try to get further above that 72%. And so we just point out a little bit of caution as it relates to any possible cost of living adjustments uh, now or in the future, because that just puts some more pressure on that. Having said that, if we can get to that 80%, uh, then, of course, we see that it's a much easier pathway to do COLAs. It's a much easier pathway, in fact, to get the rating agencies comfortable that not only are we meeting debt service, but we're meeting our pensions, and certainly you're meeting your OPEB, which is part of what the city will show you when they do their budget here. So with all that said, I think I'll stop talking and uh, see if I can answer any questions and Appreciate it, but I just want the citizens and the council to understand uh, you are in a very solid shape. Uh, while we show that there will be additional needs invariable in the future, your economic development dwarfs that. The dollars from that right now dwarfs that. And again, we just want to be prudent. We don't want to count our chickens before they hatch. But again, we also recognize that as we look out over the next several years, um, it is possible uh, that you will have, again, even more dollars than you do today to take care of your needs. But once again, we just wanted to give you the overall perspective. So thank you. Thank you. I do have a quick question for you. Uh, and I appreciate I'm going to our, um, our payout policy where we're saying 60%. And so because of that, um, we are considered to be strong. What is the standard that still keeps you at being perceived as having strength? Is 60% that, is it 50%? That seems so just interesting that it's 60%. Is, is, you know, typically 
anywhere above 50 percent okay. is a solid number. Okay. 60 percent, that much more so. Gotcha. Okay, that's helpful. Thank you. Thank you. Councilwoman Lambert. Yes, thank you. And thank you for the presentation. Very informative. Um, I'm, again, a newbie at this, and I was just curious to just to know, um, you know, our property tax is about a dollar and some change, dollar twenty. Um, compared to Henrico and Chesterfield, they're like what eighty six cents. They're in they're in the eighties that range, eighties nineties that that range of changes. Yes. What will we need to do in order to be comparable to what Henrico and Chesterfield? Is that just more revenue, obviously, but. Well, I, I think, again, you know, it's a little bit of apples and oranges. So so let's just take a perspective. When I started working with the city, the tax rate was $1.40. Mm. So you've moved from $1.40 down to $1.20. Um, you think about it and you think about the city and it's an older place than Henrico and Chesterfield. So, mm. for example, all the great charm that I think the city has, those are older bridges, mm. older you know, older infrastructure. So we, we start with some of those challenges. Um, we start with older buildings. Mm -hmm. you, know, you think about the high schools and all the schools that are being funded. So, again, um, a lot of folks might think, well, why are we not at Henrico's? Or why are we not at Chesterfield's? In reality, we are a very mature city. We're landlocked. We mm -hmm. can't just annex and all of the things you can't do. So I, I could go on for a long time about that. But I do think, again, you have you've been able to take that tax rate down considerably. I understand you'd like to do some more. Uh, but at the same time, uh, in just the last 20, 22, 23 years and even the last five to 10 years, the city's done a lot of things. I can remember some of your colleagues were in the same position as as Council President Newbill that you basically had to borrow money to make payroll. Mm -hmm. Today, you have you asked about strength. Well, it's not just that payout ratio. It's also what you have in your reserves mm -hmm. that help you avoid having to borrow money to make payroll. So we've got a lot of good things working in our direction. OK, um, but again, you know, our CSO, that's the combined. Mm -hmm. So think about mm -hmm. that. It's if you look at it across the country, mm -hmm. it's it's not brand new cities or brand new counties. It's those cities that have great historic architecture that have to take care of that. That puts pressure on you. Mm -hmm. So that, that would be my answer. I appreciate that. Thank you. I had this discussion the other day and I was that's something I just wanted. What could we do if we had to go back? Thanks. Thank you, Ms. Rose. The the other part of that, when you talk about comparing apples and oranges, is uh, what is it that the city provides that the counties do not for that lower real that tax rate? And so understanding that as well as the other items that you mentioned. So it isn't absolutely apples to apples. And so really, yeah, we'll have to really delineate that at some point because because folks just think, well, they're getting all these and they're paying less. But in fact, that's not necessarily the case. So we need to do a better job of talking about that. Mr. Rose, thank you. Thank you. Great I presentation. Oh, well, not not so fast. I'm sorry. Oh, Councilwoman Jordan. OK, sorry. I apologize. Thank you so much. Yes. Since you started to speak on the $10 million line of credit, that was something that had jumped out at me when I reviewed our budget binders. Um, to hold up $10 million when we have so many pressing needs, every single 
budget cycle. Mm -hmm. um, does it need to be $10 million? Could it not be less? Well, again, I would defer to staff because they have a better sense of what that right amount is to help make sure that they're getting preparing for projects. But I see that as one of those things where if you're doing it strategically, it is $10 million line of credit, but you're only paying for, if you think of it this way, on your budget itself, it's very small because effectively you're paying interest only. And the idea is, let's say, here, just think of it this way. Let's say you spend $2 million on a project to evaluate and look at something that's coming down the road, let's say like a new courthouse, you know, and you're trying to do that work. So you'll pay interest only on that $2 million. And then when that project moves forward, you're going to reimburse yourself. So what we see here is sort of like a one-time getting started on that program. Uh, but the actual dollars we could show you and provide you some cash flows are not $10 million per year. It's nothing even close to that. So I think I want to point that out. It's a little different than saying we're going to borrow $10 million and have to pay back $10 million in the next couple of years. It's more of a, it's more of a, a line. It gives you that option to, and, and the key here is what it gives you that option to do is to say, okay, I'm going to have a much better handle on a very large project that's going to cost potentially hundred plus million dollars. And if I can save 10, 20, $30 million by doing better planning, that'll ultimately be, I see this line of credit as actually being a savings in subsequent years for your overall budget. That's how we look at this, actually. Hey, thanks. Thank you, Mr. Rose. The account uh, appears I, in our budget is just as a line item of $10 million. Yeah, and yeah. it's a line item of $10 million, but it's not $10 million expenditure. In the given year, for example, it's probably just a few hundred thousand dollars. And I don't mean to, to make small a light of a, a few hundred thousand dollars, but relative to that size of $10 million, it is that type of, of impact is really what we're talking about. Thank you, Mr. Rose. I see Ms. Joy Hoke has joined us and would like to, I suspect, provide further Thank you. information. Um, thank you very much. Let me just expand a little bit on the line of credit. So it's basically, it, what it's doing is helping us plan for our larger projects. So like the courthouse that's in there. The courthouse is a local legal responsibility and we have to build a courthouse. What this does is allows us to plan the project without you having to appropriate the project in full. So right now, if we were to say we need a brand new courthouse, we put in an estimate based on, you know, educated um, understanding of how construction works. We tell you maybe it cost $100 million. Two years later, after we finish the planning, we come back and say, sorry, cost increase or scope increase, it's now 120, right? Meanwhile, we've had $100 million appropriated and uh, and it's in that green line that he showed you that 537 million it, that's called bonds uh, authorized but unissued that also counts against our debt capacity on our affordability what we're trying to do is not have that hundred million dollars taking up that space we're saying let us plan for it so we're going to use 10 million uh, line of credit again it's like you going to the bank and getting a, a line of credit it's not actual cash when we draw down, we pay for the service, we do the planning, then we come back to you and we say, well, we thought it was $100 million. 
We've planned it. It's going to be 120. Council, what do you want to do? Do you want to go forward with this project or do you not? So you haven't even appropriated the project yet. All you've done is said, go ahead and plan. Let's see what it costs. And when we come back to you two years later, because these projects will take a long time, about a year, two years to plan everything, come back to you with really good cost estimates and we lock it in and you say, go ahead and go to the 120, it should stay at the 120. But other times we're coming back to you with a scope increase or a cost increase. We call those cost overruns and we're saying we need more money for this to complete this project, which is what we're trying to avoid. And also not included in that green line that says the BAU, the bonds authorized but unissued. Thank you so much. I don't have any question about that. Um, what I was trying to understand is what I'm reading in the book and it says 10 million is that 10 million that we cannot allocate to other, other things. And it sounded like it was a $10 million budget that could be moved around based on comments from Davenport earlier in this presentation. So no. is it a real pot of money at $10 million or no? Thank you. Councilwoman Jordan, um, that was actually two different $10 million. The, the cash that I was talking about, which is in their budget, that's cash funding for capital projects. This is a separate concept. This is just happens to also be $10 million, but it's a line of credit. So, yeah, I'm sorry if it's confusing. Yeah, it's two different things. Thank you. Uh, Vice President Robertson. So, uh, thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, question as it relates to line of credit. Um, is this a line of credit that is going to be funded by the city, or are we looking at borrow setting up a line of credit with a lender that we are borrowing from yes we're talking about setting up a line of credit with a lender right um and then and so we draw down on a line of credit as we need it we make a decision to uh implement the plan that and then goes what happens is then what you see happening come is, back and be right. reinvested into the line of credit to pay off the line of yeah. credit and and so we so it gets it gets the, the years to get the ball rolling. And so I think and 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 Ms. Joy Hogg can underscore this or clarify what I'm about to say. But we get this ten million dollar line of credit rolling over the next couple, three years. I mean, to get it now. But as it gets rolling, then as these projects, let's say you decide to do some of these projects, you're going to then as you ultimately borrow that money whether it's right. 100 million or whatever, right. you'll reimburse your, so you'll, you'll bring it back, if you would, to that line of credit. You'll sort of refill it back up. So okay. in effect, what could happen here is we're really starting to, to, to roll it. And as a result, we're not really issuing any more debt right. down the road. Once it gets rolling, right. it's going to be right. self-perpetuating. Yeah. Right. Um, follow up question to that. Um, so we are talking basically about big projects. I appreciate the fact that the courts is, you know, we have no option. We've got to do this at some point. We've got to just make this happen. Uh, we've had some other huge projects like the city jail that at one point we were under the gun of what you're going to do, what you got to do. Um, and there's other things that we have that we got to do versus what we want to do. Um, sometimes they are the same, um, but nevertheless, they are big ticket items. Um, one of the big ticket items that was mentioned, I think, at the, in the finance committee was schools. This is another big ticket item. Um, we uh, asked, but as it relates to using this line of credit 
or facilities, we are talking specifically about city proper facilities, correct? We are. Again, okay. I think, but one, one thing we're talking about, again, is the concept here is that these are really planning related dollars. They're not for, let's say, individual, you know, short term projects or things like that. They're really for these major projects that, again, may not want to do, but have to do like a like a judicial center, things of that nature. Yes. Thank you, Mr. Rose. Thank, Thank you. you for the presentation. Thank you, Ms. Joy Hogg, for that additional information. Ms. Davis, you wanted to round us out in terms of next steps. Yes, thank you, um, President Newbill. Thank you to Mr. Davenport and the presenters today and for um, the assistance we received from administration. Um, looking ahead, uh, for our council members, we will provide responses to your questions as well as pass on this information to administration. In terms of topics that are being considered for scheduling. As mentioned before, the pay plan for the general or sworn officers, uh, the CIP presentation, which will be a high level review, the DPW infrastructure report um, slash facilities, as well as planning a zoning consultant staffing leap for um, green vehicles. And then another presentation for parks and recreation and one on revenue. And so those we are working with administration to schedule and we have tentative dates. If there are other items, questions, or presentations that you would like for us to add to this list, um, those are the items that I talked about earlier that you can send us an email or let me know, I guess now, uh, what you would like added to the list. And as mentioned for budget amendments, we are working to provide a form for you and a process so that we can improve how we will conduct the budget amendments for this year. And that, that's basically it for um, right now in terms of giving you information, but I will send an email with an update. Thank you, Ms. Davis. A um, couple of questions, Councilwoman Trammell. Madam, Madam President, yes. um, I'm kind of upset a little bit because of what happened um, to one of my seniors, and I just got a, a text. I want to know what are these nonprofits doing? I want to know how much money we've given them, and I want to know what is each and every one of them doing. Okay. And, and I'll, I won't say it out here, but I'll get back with you, Joyce, because yes. what I just got, I'm very, very upset. Okay, so you'll get with Joyce specifically. Yeah, from these motels where they're putting these people in these motels and things like that with the bed bugs, the roaches, and, and they got cancer and they got open sores, and they're living in these kind of conditions. Yes. No. Okay. This, this is wrong. Okay, so you'll follow up with Joyce. Please. Okay. And also, Thank I definitely you. want to know, because I've asked this before and have not gotten any, every every time we go into this budget, I ask, 
What do these nonprofits do? How much money do they get? How do they spend the taxpayers' money? It is not our money. It is the taxpayers' money that we give to these organizations or whatever, and I don't know what they do. And when I get something like this, this is wrong. Thank you, Ms. Trammell. And I think we can have an opportunity to discuss non-departmentals because there are agreements that are made in terms of performance. No, I'm not saying it's not happening. Up on it, I'm not saying it's happening. I'm saying there's supposed to be contractual agreements, and so we can get feedback from the administration, and there should be monitoring as well. But the problem is we don't know because they're, these people are being told, you you say something, you call that council person, and you say something, we won't help you at all. No, this does not. You mm-hmm. don't do that. You don't okay. tell somebody not to contact us. They're supposed to contact us and let us know what is going on and how they're being mistreated. Absolutely. So please do follow up with Joyce on that so we can get that information as well as general information on non-departmentals. I think Ms. Nye was next and then Vice President Robertson. Um, thank you, Dr. Newbill. I forgot to bring this up in, during the first presentation and maybe we could have this as a follow-up um, I think Ms. Davis said we're going to have a presentation on revenue. Okay. Um, so we have had more growth above and beyond our adopted budget this year. So can we get a current, like up to date, including any budget transfers or anything? Does that make sense? Okay, thank you. Vice President. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, I know that we have had uh, information sent to us as it relates to the budget process and presentations that will be made. Um, I've sent a note to us. Um, I'm sure I can find it, uh, but if there's a schedule uh, based on the subject matters, um, to the degree that we have that mapped out, even if some of the details are still not absolutely spelled out. And I know that a lot of that is subject to change as we go through the process and we realize that, okay, we need another presentation on this and so forth. I'm not asking us to anticipate anything. I'm just asking for what we already currently have. Uh, so that we can see the order and the priorities of departments and when those presentations will be made. I know we've been sent that before, so I'm just asking that if if it's not too much to ask, that we just uh, recirculate that to, to the council members. And if there's questions, comments, recommendations, or whatever, that uh, all feedback from the administration as it relates to that, that we are provided with those uh, comments and uh, concerns or recommendations and uh, so that we can um, all be looking at that um, based on, I almost want to pace man in front of me so that I can see it. Uh, Absolutely, Ms. Davis, if you will be sure to include that. Councilwoman Jordan. Thank you. Um, Can we have a presentation, maybe this falls within revenues or DPW, but on stormwater fees and on the gas utility. Uh, I had a great meeting with um, one of our directors about stormwater connections and 
would love to analyze whether or not we're charging an appropriate amount for connections to our CSO, especially our larger developers, um, because we're passing a lot of those costs on to our, our uh, residents. And then when it comes to the gas utility, you know, that's another one where, um, particularly when the gas rates are fluctuating, it really impacts our residents. And I'm just interested in, you know, we have about $100 million in improvements to the gas utility infrastructure. And I know some of that is mandated um, by the federal government, but I just almost wonder, like, when we're spending $100 million to replace and upgrade these natural gas lines, are we not better off maybe decommissioning some of these lines if they're servicing areas that you know, might be better, um, might be cheaper just to give people a new electric stove, for instance. I don't know, but I just think that's worth digging into and would appreciate more background on it. And then also I'm nervous about a line where it says where project costs, and this is within the gas utility, where project costs are projected higher than net revenue, the customer can opt to pay a contribution and aid a construction fee to make up that shortfall. Or can someone explain that to me? Like, are we the customer? Is the city of Richmond the customer? And we would have to offset um, declining revenues from gas utility in order to make up for construction costs within that $100 million projection. Because that just, that's a variable that sure obviously concerning. Thank you. And and that's the question Ms. Davis will capture and we'll look to the administration for a subsequent yeah. um, presentation provision of information. With that, members, if there are no other questions at this time, I would like to um, certainly thank our staff for the presentation um, provided and would like to thank Mr. Rose uh, with Davenport and company for that presentation and certainly for all of the questions that I think will help us uh, make even uh, better, more informed decisions about the budget going forward. With that, this uh, budget work session stands adjourned. Thank you.